Oh, yeah, that's good. Let's do it again. Praise the Lord. That's right. Our God deserves the best we can give. We only have a few announcements. I'm going to get them out of the way this morning. The Tuesday, February 8th, we have Tuesday morning prayer at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. And Sunday, February 13th, we have church. We have a church business meeting that will be held in the A Center at 6.30 p.m. Thank you for being here this morning. There's a wonderful, I was telling the pastor on the way up, there's a beautiful spirit that is here. I believe that God is here to respond to our worship, and I want to worship him. Amen? There's a, I was thinking this, uh, this morning about the service, and there's a, a, a term people use of, of get your game face on, right? You get ready. Well, I want you to get your worship face on this morning because our, our God deserves the best, the very best that we can give because he gave all to you so that you can have relationship with him and walk with him. Can we worship the Lord this morning? Let's stand to our feet and give him praise. Out of that grave. Come on, let me thank you, 
evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing now for the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all Spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love. Your love surrounds us. 
that can happen in this place. We would just open our hearts to receive them right now. service that will live in our hearts and memory for a long time. It was our kids' crusade, and uh, the, the turnout was amazing in spite of all the weather and all of that. And uh, I'm happy to report that there were 14 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost here Thursday night for the first time. Thank the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Grace Church showed up Thursday night, and I appreciate it. It was amazing. Let's give the Lord some thanks for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. In addition, or including that 14, uh, they had a notebook up here that said, if you received the Holy Ghost for the first time or was refilled with the Holy Ghost that night to come and sign the book, and there were 39 uh, kids that were here and sign that book, either being filled or refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. One of our students told me after church, Pastor, I've received the Holy Ghost now four times. If we all kept track, how many times would we have all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? It just happens all the time, all the time. God is faithful to pour out His Spirit. And uh, so... Uh, I'm happy to report that out of that 14 that received the Holy Ghost for the first time, four were from Grace Church. Three were from one family. And I think that's amazing. Thank the Lord. I'm rejoicing here today. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. So we want to honor those that 
receive the Holy Ghost Thursday night and as well as those that were baptized this morning. Uh, is Lewis here today? No, okay, we'll, we'll get his certificate to him uh, later. Uh, but I'm happy to report that uh, Lariah Love received the baptism of the Holy Ghost Thursday night and was baptized this morning. Is she in the building? Can she come up here? Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's exciting times at Grace Church, is it not? Thank the Lord. I'm thrilled about what God is doing. Uh, Lariah, we have for you here a certificate that states that you received the Holy Ghost on Thursday night, February the 3rd, and that today you were baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus here at Grace Church, and we're going to ask you to stay right here. Does she sing and play the guitar beautifully or what? She does a great job, and I believe God has really gifted Lariah, and I believe we're going to see and hear more more wonderful things from her as time goes on. Brother Brosnan, he received the Holy Ghost. Come up here. Uh, received the Holy Ghost Thursday night and was baptized in Jesus' name this morning. And we're excited about that. And just as we presented your sister with a Holy Ghost certificate and baptismal certificate, we do the same for you, buddy. Good job. That's awesome. Proud of you. Stay right there. Uh, Cullen, he also received the baptism of the Holy Ghost Thursday night and was baptized this morning in the beautiful name of Jesus. Stand up there by your brother. And uh, we also have uh, a certificate for you. It says that you've been baptized and that you received the Holy Ghost. And that's wonderful, ain't it? Thank the Lord. Mom and Daddy want a picture? Anybody want a picture? Got it? All right. Thank you all. Let's give them some appreciation one more time. Thank the Lord. Praise God. And I'm very happy to report that um, at least two of our young folks informed me this morning that, Pastor, I saved my Dr. Pepper until this morning. Now, if you don't know what that story is, you want to find out from somebody after church. They saved that Dr. Pepper for an entire week and drank it this morning, and praise God, it worked. It wasn't the Dr. Pepper. It was the moving of God's Spirit. And I love our young folks worshiping God, praising God. Thank the Lord. One of the mothers said, now you don't run the aisles because you drank a Dr. Pepper. You tell me why you run the aisles. He said, I know, Mom. It's not the Dr. Pepper. We're worshiping God. I know that. So we had to affirm a few things, right? So uh, great times here at Grace Church. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord here today? If you would, stand one more time and let's give the Lord some appreciation. Thank the Lord. I love the Lord today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank the Lord. It looks good here this morning. Y'all look around, man. We're we looking good here today. People are showing up at Grace Church. I'm happy about that. You want to make the pastor smile, show up at church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Thank the Lord. But more than, more than that, you make God real happy when you're in his house. And thank you all so very much for being here today. I'm going to ask Brother Jason to come and preach for us this morning. A man that I love dearly, respect, and uh, ask him to preach last Sunday after church. He said he would. 
And I've just been looking forward. I, I mean this sincerely. I'm not just saying it. But I've been looking forward to what he has to say all this week. Every time he comes to the pulpit, God gives him something rich. He's heard from God. And I'm going to ask you this morning to open your heart to the Word of God. Open your heart to Brother Jason as he preaches. Let's welcome him to the pulpit, shall we? God bless him as he comes. Come on, Grace Church, one more time. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's the one who's worthy. He's a good, good God. He loves his children. Amen, amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. I will have you stand again in just a moment. Um, ushers, if you would, please go ahead and, and help me out. Hopefully, most of you by now have received a note card whenever you came in. Some of you got here a little early. might have missed that. If you, if you have a note card, hold it up for me. All right, that, that's good. That's good. If you need a note card... You really want a note card. Ushers are going to help you. They're going to come through here in just a moment, and uh, they're going to make sure that you have that. And in addition to that today, come on, man, help them out. If you need a note card, just keep your hands up. Oh, we've got some JV ushers. You know the Lord is moving right now. And in addition to that, if you need a pen or you just want one of these beautiful orange grace pens, we're going to let you take that home today. You don't even have to give that back. Amen. Amen. And once you have that, once you have that note card and that beautiful orange grace pen, you can just set that aside. We're going to use that later in our service on toward uh, more in our altar service today. So while they're doing that, I, I want to uh, be up front with you this morning, Grace Church. I'm going to ask a lot of you today. As best you can, I'm going to ask that you keep three different messages in mind while I preach today. And the first one that I want you to keep in mind is a message from three months ago. I'm going to help you remember. Don't tighten up on me. It's not a quiz. But a message from three months ago. And then I'm going to ask you to keep in mind pastor's message from last Sunday and the text, a new text and a new message from today. Now, that's a heavy lift, and I, I know that that's asking a lot, but I hope that y'all can get on board quickly and respond to what God wants to do at Grace Church today. So let's review. Let's review. I, the last time I stood in this pulpit to preach was October 31st of last year, and I delivered a message called Faith to Finish. And I refer back to that message for two reasons. First, that message came from a place of deep personal struggle for me, but apparently it connected with some people. And it was, that was a hard message for me to preach. I think it's the hardest message that I have ever preached in my life. I felt like the Lone Ranger up here, man, preaching to myself. But the response in the altar that morning and the outpouring of love and support from you, the words of affirmation and confirmation were nothing short of amazing to me. Because in preparing that message, I pray, God, if you would be so kind as to just give me one person, just one, other than me, that will tell me that this, this message spoke to them, I would really appreciate it. Well, he, he didn't just send me one. He sent me at least eight. And to those eight people, some of you that morning in the altar service and some in the days that followed, 
I want you to know you have my deepest thanks. You have no idea what it meant to me for you to come to me and say, Jason, stuff that you said today is almost verbatim words that I have said over the past two weeks or two months. That, that blew me out of the water. Thank you so much for that. But the second reason I mentioned that message is that we are going back to that same story from Scripture today found in Luke chapter 5, just for a little while. Luke 5, that was our text back on October 31st when Jesus used Peter's boat to teach the crowd of people on shore. And after the sermon was over, Jesus told Simon Peter to go out deeper and put his clean, empty nets down again. Y'all remember that? Two people? Okay, that's great. Do y'all remember how Peter felt like a failure and was frustrated and exhausted because he had fished all night and it had been a long night of work but they had nothing to show for it. But then Jesus got involved to show Peter that he, he wasn't a, a failure, he just wasn't finished. Y'all remember that? Okay, five people were getting better. And because Peter was willing to try again with what he had, where he was, Peter pulled in a harvest that he wasn't expecting. Y'all remember that? Okay, that's better. Sis, I'm going to let you go in just a minute. Just, just keep giving it to me. That's good. We're going to go back to Luke 5 today, but with a little different perspective. Because something has changed since October of 2021, and I've got a little different word to preach to you today. And our context as a church is a little different. So we're going to be in the same vein as Pastor's message last week. Last Sunday, Pastor Murph preached a word to us called, It's Time for a Comeback. Y'all remember that? Okay, yeah, that's pretty good, because he talked to us about David from 1 Samuel in chapter 30, who goes back to Ziklag to find that his possessions have been stolen and his family taken captive. And David is dealing with deep discouragement. But Scripture says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, and he asked God for permission to go get his family and his possessions back. And God told him, okay, David, you can do that. But you're going to go get them. I'm not going to go get them for you, David. I'm not going to cause the enemy who took them to just hand them back over. You go pursue them. You go fight for them. You take action, David. You get moving. And you use what you have and who you have and go after what you want. And I'll be, I'll be with you. And the scripture says that David recovered all. Not a single family member. And not a single possession was lost. Y'all remember that? Well, good. Because with those two messages in mind, I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning, and we're going to get into our text for today. You are dismissed. Thank you. We're going to go to 1 Samuel 16. Read verse 1 in Media Booth. We're going to skip verse 2. And move on to verses 11 through 13. So 1 Samuel 16 says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long are you going to cry for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. 
And I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Fill your horn with oil, Samuel, and go. Skipping down to verse 11, it says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are these all of your kids? And Jesse said, Well, they're still the youngest. He's out in the field keeping sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Well, go get him. Send somebody to fetch him, because we're not going to sit down until he gets here. Verse 12 says, And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and with all a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on. David was a good-looking fellow. And the Lord said to Samuel, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. For the next few minutes today, I want to challenge you, Grace Church. I have come with a challenge for you individually and for us as a church collectively. I have come to challenge you. Talk to you about empty nets, empty horns, and the other side of yes. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word, and I've asked you to make me your servant today. Help me to say it in a way that they can receive it, but Lord, I pray that their hearts would be good soil for the infallible seed of your word. Use this day today, God, to get a hold of our hearts and bring us to the place that you want us to be so that you can do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I want to ask you today, Grace Church, what's on the other side of your yes? What's on the other side of your yes? In Luke chapter 5, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, put your nets in again. Now, it's pretty obvious to me from Scripture that putting the nets back into the water wasn't really what Simon Peter wanted to do. He didn't want to do it. See, he had been pulling and hauling on those nets for hours in the dark. Throwing them out, pulling them back. Throwing them out, pulling them back. Throwing them out, pulling them back for hours at night. And finally, as the morning began to break around the shores of Lake Genesaret, Simon Peter was tired. He was frustrated, he was disgusted, and just generally put out with how things were going. But get it right, I want you to get this right, as poor as his mindset was, as bad as his attitude might have been, Simon Peter wasn't giving up on fishing. He was cleaning the nets. If Simon Peter were giving up on fishing, he wouldn't be cleaning nets. He would have just dropped them and walked away. But that's not what he did. Simon Peter had no intention of giving up. On fishing, he was just giving up on the time. He was giving up on the present day. He was giving up on the present season. There were too many obstacles, too many problems, too many issues, not enough to show for all of the effort. So Simon Peter said, look, pack it in, boys. Maybe we'll come back tomorrow. Maybe we'll come back the day after that. I'm, I'm just done. I'm done for today. 
Now, I don't know where all of the fish went. They're sure not here. So maybe a different day, maybe a different time. We can have some success, but not today. And I wish I could have seen the look on Simon Peter's face when Jesus asked to use his boat. Because in my mind, Simon Peter was grumpy at this point. My friend Nathan Henson talks about grumpy Jason sometimes. He thinks that's funny. In my mind, this was grumpy Simon Peter. Cleaning nets, just ready to go home. Just want to get away from this stupid lake, this stupid boat, these stupid nets, and these stupid fish. And here comes this unknown preacher asking to use my boat as a pulpit. And maybe Simon Peter saw something different when he looked at Jesus. Maybe he felt something in his spirit that he couldn't explain, but it gave him pause and made him reconsider. Maybe, maybe Simon Peter had just enough religion in him to want to do right by a rabbi. I don't know. He didn't want to upset the preacher. But into the boat they go. And Jesus teaches the people crowded along the shoreline probably for several hours from tired, grouchy, grumpy, frustrated, Simon Peter's boat. And after Sunday school is over, Simon Peter gets down to grab the oars and settles in to row them back to shore. But before Simon Peter can take the first stroke, Jesus says, hey, buddy, before we go back in, why don't you put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch? And I have to wonder how long that pause lasted. And I wonder about the play of emotions across Simon Peter's face. I wonder if Simon, Simon Peter snorted and scoffed because he thought it was a joke. But then he realized that Jesus was being serious. <laughs> Whatever, Jesus, stop playing. But Jesus wasn't playing. Jesus was testing Simon Peter, will you answer this call? Because if you won't answer this call to obedience, then you won't be able to answer the greater call that's coming later. But if you will, Simon, if you'll say yes to me in this moment, then I've got some plans for you and some things for you to do. I wonder what Simon Peter's internal dialogue was like in that moment. Did he think, this guy can't be serious? He can't be serious. I mean, it's one thing for you to ask me to use my boat to teach from. That's one thing. But to put these nets that I just cleaned back into the water when I've been doing that all night long, all night long, only to have them come up empty. Come on, Jesus. Simon Peter didn't want to put those empty nets back into the water again. That's pretty clear to me from Scripture. But somehow he had enough faith in a Jesus he really didn't even know all that well and had just met to say yes. On the other side of Simon Peter's yes was a haul of fish that exceeded expectation. It was a miracle that maxed out his capacity. 
A miracle, yes. Yes, it was. A blessing, yes, absolutely. But something greater than that, and don't miss this, it wasn't just a miracle, and it wasn't just a blessing. It was something greater. It was a different calling. It was a bigger purpose, and it was a greater future with bigger possibilities. Because whenever they got all of the fish in that morning, Peter said, you got to get away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. We don't belong together. I don't belong around you. You don't belong around me. You're too good, and I'm not good enough. You need to get away. To which Jesus says, Simon Peter, you don't even know what you're talking about, man. Don't be afraid. Because I've got something bigger for you to do. You come with me, Peter. You come with me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You and me, you and me together. We've got some work to do. Now let, let me ask you another question today, Grace. I really want you to lean into this one. What if, after the Sunday sermon was over that morning, and Simon Peter got ready to, to row the boat back in, what if after Jesus stopped him and, and, and said, hey, don't go back in just yet, Peter, but instead go back out into the deep and put down the nets for a catch. What if after all of that internal dialogue that happened in Peter's heart and mind and, and the tension of the moment, what would have happened if Simon Peter would have said, no, Jesus, I don't think so. What if Simon Peter would have looked Jesus in the eyes and said, look, I appreciate the effort, Jesus, but I'm just too tired. You don't know what I've been through. I, I don't think so. It's been a long night. I'm frustrated. I got a bad attitude. I'm not in a good frame of mind. I'm tired, and I am disgusted with these empty nets, Jesus. So you know what? You're welcome to the boat. You're welcome. I, I'm glad that I could be of use to you in a season, but I'll pass on this one. The nets are empty, but they're clean. And frankly... I just don't feel like making the effort of putting them back out again. Not today. What if Simon Peter had said, no thanks, Jesus. You're a good teacher. You're a great teacher. But you're not giving me any explanation for what you just asked me to do. And there's absolutely no guarantee that if I do it, these nets won't come up empty again. So no thanks. I think I'll just keep my clean, empty nets. Let's just keep things the way they are. What would Simon Peter have missed out on? It's not just a haul of fish, y'all, but the calling of a disciple. It's the revelation. He would have missed out on the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who art in heaven. He would have missed out on a Mount of Transfiguration experience, seeing Jesus in a glorified state along with Moses and the prophet. He would have missed being a witness, an eyewitness to a risen Savior. He would have missed preaching the first gospel sermon 
of the New Testament church. If he would have said no that day, he would have missed seeing thousands filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time as a result of his ministry. What would Simon Peter have missed if he had said no to Jesus that day instead of yes? The price would have been too great. Too great to even fathom. Knowing what we know today about Peter's experience with Jesus, I don't think anybody here would make that trade. Peter would have been a fool not to say yes. I know I'm going slow, but I don't know where I'm going. I want every tired, frustrated, doubting, struggling, grouchy, discouraged, depressed person under the sound of my voice to lean into this word today. Jesus is asking you, and he is asking Grace Church collectively to take your empty net and put it back into the water. The empty net of your personal ministry. The empty net of your prayers for those backslidden kids. The empty net of your failed business efforts. The empty net of those things that you used to do in the kingdom. The empty net of your faith that came up short last time. Jesus is asking you to put that empty net back into the water. I told you I came with a challenge. It's not just about a haul of fish. It's not just about the miracle. And look, man, those are great. We need them. I want them. But there's something bigger at work here, Grace Church. It's not just about the next revival. And it's not just about the next move of God or the next influx of people. We want those things. But hear me today. It's about your future and the future of your calling and place in the kingdom of God. The future of your family. The future of your kids. The future of your lost friends. The future of your co-workers. The future of this church 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Listen to me. There is a better life. There is a greater purpose and there is a more meaningful future on the other side of yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's there if, if you will say yes and put your empty nets down again. Did you catch that? Your nets. Not somebody else's. Not somebody else's nets. Not something you don't already have. But your nets. Watch me. Jesus did not ask Peter to build a boat. Peter wasn't a boat builder. He was a fisherman. He didn't have access to saws and hammers and Milwaukee power tools. He didn't have all of that. He had nets. And Jesus didn't ask Simon Peter to dig a new lake. He wasn't a lake digger. He was a fisherman. He didn't have access to bulldozers and excavators. He had nets. Somebody needs to get on board with what I'm telling you right now. Jesus asked Simon Peter to do what he could with what he had where he was. And Jesus didn't give Simon Peter new nets. 
or different nets. He asked Peter to use his empty nets. Those empty nets that had frustrated Peter all night long. Knowing what we know about Peter, probably caused him to cuss a little bit. Y'all know. Jesus said, Simon Peter, I want you to trust me with that empty thing that you have. And if you will just say yes to me, I can work a miracle in this present moment and at the same time do more with your future than you ever thought possible. I want to take you on a ride, Simon Peter, that's going to blow your mind. There's something better. There's something better. There's something better on the other side. On the other side of yes. Now look, it wasn't the first time that Simon Peter was going to learn this lesson about empty nets and about saying yes to using what he had when he really didn't want to. It's not the first time he had to learn that lesson. Years later in Acts 10, Peter's a preacher now. Not a fisherman with nets, but... He's fishing for men, just like Jesus said he would. Only problem, Peter didn't want to preach the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. It was just for the Jews. But God gave Peter a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven. And it was filled with all manner of unclean animals, according to Jewish law. And along with that sheet coming down and those unclean animals in the vision was the voice of God that said, Peter, I want you to kill some of these animals and eat them. And Peter said, uh-uh. No way, God. Not going to do it. I have never eaten anything unclean like that. But God said, don't you call what I have cleansed common or unclean. See, I'm up to something New. Well, it's new to you. I've had it planned all along. You just didn't see it coming. See, you remember what happened on the lake that day? Simon Peter, how, how I did something that you didn't see coming with something that you didn't know was there. The fish were there, Peter. I could see them in the deep. You couldn't. And I did something you didn't anticipate. Well, I'm about to bring a Gentile to your doorstep so you can witness to him about me and all of his Gentile friends. That story, from that story right there from Acts chapter 10 ought to give every person in this building some hope. Because God didn't give that, give that vision to Peter one time. And Peter missed it, and so God moved on. No, he didn't give it to him one time. He didn't give it to him two times. He gave him that vision three times. Peter... It's almost like God was saying, this opportunity is too great. I really don't want you to miss it. Peter, what I'm planning is so awesome, I really want you to get involved. And it's okay if you didn't get it the first time. I know it's a little radical, but I really want you to say yes to this one, Peter. This gospel message isn't just for the Jews like you thought. It's for everybody, and I want you you, Simon Peter, I want you to be a part of bringing my hope to the rest of the world. So just say yes, Peter, because there's something bigger and something better on the other side of your yes. 
Y'all good? Okay, let me preach my sermon. Here we go. Back to the text. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil. Get your horn. Fill it up and go. Because I'm sending you to a guy named Jesse who lives in Bethlehem because I provided myself a king from one of, among one of his sons. Let me talk to you about empty horns. God told the prophet Samuel, he said, how long are you going to cry over Saul? Fill your horn with oil and go to the house of Jesse and anoint the new king that I have chosen. Fill, go, anoint. Samuel was still grieving over what had happened with King Saul, first king of Israel. Saul's kingship had turned into an absolute disaster. It was a train wreck, a dumpster fire of deceit, disobedience, fear, pride. And Samuel, same Samuel, same prophet, had been the one that had anointed King Saul in the first place. And I wonder how that had to make Samuel feel. To see the mess that Saul's leadership became, knowing that he, the great prophet of God, had played such a large role in making that kingship happen. Samuel had anointed Saul in front of all of Israel. But now Saul was such a hot mess, God had rejected him as king and his entire bloodline. And so now Samuel is back living at home in Ramah. That's where he was from. It's back home. Back in his comfortable place. He's back home in Ramah living the quiet life, trying to train up some new prophets. 1 Samuel 19, if you need to check that out. You read the scriptures. Samuel was not actively looking for anything different. There's no record at least, of Samuel ever praying, God, Saul, remember him? You had me anoint him? Well, he's a mess, and he's blown it. So why don't you show me who's next? Who's the next guy you got on deck? Show me who the next guy. There's no record of that. He was staying at home, still mourning over Saul. He was grieving over what had gone wrong. He was hurting over what didn't work out. He was still feeling the pain of what had been lost during the most recent season. But God spoke. God spoke. When it was the right time, when the right pieces were in place, God spoke up and he said, Samuel, it's time to move. It's time to move in spite of what's hurting you right now. Lord, I pray that your spirit will begin to talk to people. Speak specifically to them in ways that they know and recognize as your voice. God did not tell Samuel, stop grieving or stop hurting. He did not minimalize Samuel's pain in that moment. He did not make Samuel feel like his hurt was illegitimate. But what God did tell him is, it's time, Samuel, 
for your hurt to stop holding you here. You can hurt, Samuel, but it's time for you to move. I've got something that I need you to do. And I know you still feel some kind of way about what happened with Saul, but you really don't want to miss this opportunity that I've got cooking because I've, what I've got waiting on you, Samuel, is so much better than what you've got right now. I find it interesting that God had to tell Samuel to fill his horn with oil. Now Samuel, y'all understand, Samuel was the prophet in Israel. He's, he's the big dog prophet. He's the king anointing prophet. He's the superintendent prophet. He's running the Bible school for the other young prophets. So shouldn't his horn already have some oil in it? I mean, wasn't that, wasn't that his job? His role? The expectation? I don't know about the the day-to-day inner workings of the job description of an Old Testament prophet. I don't know what all that entails. It just seems to me like keeping anointing oil around and keeping it ready would be a thing. So maybe Samuel was tired. Or maybe he just thought he wouldn't need it anymore. Because after the whole Saul thing went down, maybe Samuel figured there just wasn't much point. And keeping that old horn filled with oil anymore. I mean, it turned into such a mess the first time. Surely God wasn't going to ask him to do that again. But God told him to fill his horn with oil. You're going to need a lot of oil, Samuel. Not just a little smidge you've got left in there that's kind of dried out and tacky. Not a half full horn of oil either, Samuel. And not that little vial that you used to anoint Saul the last time. See, I checked the scriptures. The language is different. He used a vial to anoint Saul. He said, I want you to take a horn to anoint David. No, sir. You're going to need a horn full of oil. Samuel, if you're going to anoint what I've got planned, what I've got waiting, it's too great for a little blessing from you, Samuel. It's too great for just a little drop of your approval, or some type of half-full effort. I want you to fill that horn, Samuel, with whatever capacity you have. You top it off, and you go. There is no point in having a full horn of oil if you don't get up and go somewhere with it. I want you to get up and go with all you can handle, with all that you can muster. I want you to take what you can fit in your horn and go. You got to move, Samuel. You got to move. You got to move. It's not going to come to you. You have to get up and go to it. Take your horn. Your horn. Your horn, Samuel. Fill your horn and go. I'm not going to do it for you. I want you to do it. You fill your horn with oil. And you go. Because there's something better. A king like you have never seen. 
a man after my own heart who's going to put my people on the map, who's going to bring prosperity, who's going to bring worship, who's going to bring a system of, of worshiping me and sacrificing to me like you have never seen. He's just out there waiting in the field for you, Samuel, to get there. But if you're going to see him, journey from Ramah to Bethlehem was about five miles. No way Samuel could have seen David from where he was. He was going to have to get up and go. If you're going to see what I've got waiting, you fill your horn and go. And when you get there, when you get there, you anoint him. Not me, Samuel. I'm not going to do the anointing. You anoint him. See, the anointing of the prophet was the sign of God's will and intent. It was the seal of God's plan. It was a physical act that announced God's will and purpose to the rest of the people. God was telling Samuel, I need you to get up and go do something physical that I have already ordained in the spiritual. I want you to demonstrate in a physical act what I have already decided to do in the spiritual. You can't see it yet, Samuel, but you need to get ready. You need to make the preparations and go anoint a kingship that nobody else even knows about yet. Y'all need to get this. God did not anoint David. He told Samuel to. God did not come down in fleshly form 1,800 years before he planned and pour out anointing oil on David. He said, Samuel, you go do it. God chose David. God had his hand on David. But he wanted the anointing to come from Samuel. Samuel, I've already chosen the new method. I've already chosen the new means. I've already got the new bloodline in place that's going to move the kingdom forward. I've chosen. I've already chosen a new blessing, a vehicle of blessing. But Samuel, you have to be the one to anoint it. You have to say yes. You have to give it your approval. The way of the prophet. In your way, in your way, the way of the prophet, Samuel, you give it your approval. You take your horn, and you go do it. Uh, I hear the voice of God today. I hear the voice of God just saying to Grace Church, it's time, it's time. I, you, I know you hurt. I know you're crying. I know, it's, I know it's still a wound. I know you're doing some mourning. I know the last two years have been hard. I know you didn't see a pandemic coming. I know you didn't see social and political upheaval that you never would have imagined coming. I know you didn't see financial upheaval coming. I know you feel like it's been harder lately because it has been harder lately. I know that there's been a dark cloud lately because there has. I know you feel like you've lost some things because you have. I know you're hurting, but it's time for you to move with what you have. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You don't know it yet, and you can't see it from where you are. But David is out there waiting in the field. But he can't do what I need him to do until you do your part. Mm. 
Samuel, it's time. It's time for you to get up. Samuel. Samuel. It's time for you to get up. Fill your horn as full as you can get it. And go anoint what I have waiting. So now what? I'm bringing this thing in for a landing. As we get ready to conclude today, it is so important that we answer this question. So now what? We've talked about empty nets. We've talked about empty horns. I think everybody here with half a brain realizes that we have a task. We have a responsibility. We have something to do. But now what? I want to ask you, Grace Church, what do you have on hand? What empty net do you have that God wants to use to do bigger things, better things, if you would just say yes? Not me, not the pastor, not the assistant pastor, not the Sunday school teacher. If you would just say yes, what do you have on hand? What empty net do you have? What old empty horn do you have just collecting dust on the shelf of your spiritual house that God could use for a better future if you would just say yes? Is it an old dream? A dream that you've given up on because it's just too late? And the time has passed? Is it a former ministry that used to fill you with passion, but you got burned and it hurts too much for you to pick it up again? Is it a familiar calling that you just can't get away from, but God keeps reminding you of it, but you just can't see it happening? Maybe it's a particular skill or a talent or an ability or a gifting that you know God gave you and put in you and that he could use it, but you've been frustrated by it in the past. Is it an old relationship that once had potential, but somehow things grew cold and distant and you don't know how to regain what's been lost? What's your empty net today, Simon Peter? That thing that you tried before and it just didn't work. What's your empty horn today, Grace Church? That thing that you once used so powerfully, but it crashed and burned, and you're just scared to pick it up again. The call of God today is unmistakable. If I've heard the voice of God ever in my life, I've heard it this week. He wants you individually and Grace Church collectively to say yes. He wants to take somebody that's got just a mustard seed of faith into what's waiting on the other side of yes. Maybe it'll help you today to understand that the results aren't up to you. The results aren't your responsibility. 
God gives the increase. Take the pressure off of yourself. Results aren't yours to control. Let him have that. Give him that responsibility. But saying yes to God, being obedient with what he's, what he's put on your heart to do, giving him the faith that you do have, the empty net that you do have, the empty horn that you do have, that's your part. That's your part. Y'all stand with me this morning. That thing that you felt tugging at your heart recently, you thought it was dead and gone. But here it came again. It's been tugging at your heart. Those old ideas, those old heartbeats, those former passions. That's what he's asking you for today. He's asking you to make the phone call. To send the email. To schedule the meeting. To make the plan. To do the research. And that's what I'm asking you for today. Before we come up here this morning to pray together as is our custom, I want you to write it down with your orange pen and your note card. Thanks, fellas. Just put those boxes on either side. I want you to write it down as the first step, the first step in saying yes. Write it down. You know why? Because writing it down makes it real. It might be the name of a coworker or an estranged child, an ex-husband or an ex-wife. It might be the name of a Sunday school class. It might be the name of a life group that he keeps pecking away at your heart to start. It might be a new business idea. It might be a neglected call of sharing your personal testimony with those in your circle of influence. It might mean reaching out to your lost kids again. It might be a prayer ministry that's grown cold. It might be engaging in the process of defining spiritual vision and future plans. Whatever your empty net is, whatever your empty horn is, your challenge today is to have enough faith to write it down. Bring it with you up here to these altars. And pray over it. And tell God, I'm saying yes. I can't see it yet. I can't perceive it yet. But I'm going to say yes. It's not between you and me. It's not between you and pastors. It's between you and God. You don't have to write your name on it. You don't have to give away personal, identi personally identifiable information. None of that. It's between you and God. But as a sign of faith, I'm asking you, the challenge in the spirit is to have the faith to write it down on this card, bring it up here and pray over it, and leave it here in this altar as a symbol of the fact that, God, the results aren't up to me. I said yes by writing it down. Now, God, I'm going to do my part. 
and trust you to do yours. I know I've gone a little long. I'm giving you a few minutes to write it down. As you're writing, I want you to hear me. Peter's yes in one season of his life was to throw the net back into the water. That was his role as a fisherman. The net was his tool of the trade. Peter showed his yes in faith through the things that he handled every day. But Peter's yes in another season of his life was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. That was his role as an apostle. The words and the sermons and the testimony of Jesus were the tools of his trade in that season as a father of the early church. And so Peter showed his yes through preaching. Samuel's yes in faith was the anointing that he poured out from his horn of oil. Even during a season of hurt, grief, pain, loss, confusion, and remorse, Samuel said yes to God by filling up what he had, going and pouring it out. God is asking you individually, and he's asking Grace Church collectively to say yes the same way through the things that we handle every day. The things that you are handling in this season. So as we come today, all of us, come on. Come on. Will you? Will you trust him in this moment with what you have so he can open the door to what comes next? All it takes is a yes. A yes. As they begin to sing this morning, we're going to take this time to pray over what we've written down to affirm our yes and anoint our yes in the Spirit. We're doing something physical right now. We're doing something physical to anoint what God has ordained in the spiritual. We're doing a physical act right now to say, God, here's my yes. Here's what I'm willing to do. I don't see it yet, but you've ordained it in the Spirit. Otherwise, you wouldn't be laying it on my heart the way you are. So now I'm going to say yes. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to leave it with you. Oh, God, it'd be really appropriate for you to begin to reach out to the Lord right now. Because we can't do this on our own. Our power's not enough. Yes, we have a responsibility, but His Spirit has to be involved in what we do. We need to ask for His blessing. We need to ask for the miracle to come. We need to ask for Him to open the door. We need to ask Him to take our commitment and multiply it just like He did the loaves and fish. God, would you take this and begin to use it somehow in a way that I can't see, in a way that I didn't anticipate. God, would you take this yes of mine and begin to use it.
Yeah. 